Welcome to Multidimensional Mom, the podcast. I'm Stephanie Dowden. And I'm Sarah Malloy. And if you're lost in the midst of momming or just the wild chaos of everyday life, we're here to help. Anything from momming to the mystical, we've got you covered. Come along as my real-life bestie and I explore all the different things about mom life, midlife, and the great beyond as we celebrate the elements that make us unique as moms and as women. Because you're multidimensional and we are too. We're going to discover our magic and help you embrace your own. Welcome back to Multidimensional Mom. I have a great one for you today, keeping with our very October theme of the spooky and, well, just pure fun. I have Christina the Medium. Now, Christina is a psychic medium. She's a Reiki master teacher and host of the Ghosties podcast. They're best friends and they talk about ghosts. I learned of Christina from my friend Leslie Fears podcast because I want to know, and I have stolen her today to talk all about the Ouija. Sarah and I have explored the history and shared that with you. And today we're going to jump into Christina's intuitive knowledge and experience with the device. Christina, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) We are so excited. I have all kinds of questions about this, and I'm glad that you want to talk about it. Sometimes I feel like people with your special knowledge, experience, intuitive gift, that you wouldn't want to talk about Ouija. Do you get that from people that they think you want nothing to do with it? I could see why. I could see why some people would think that. Um, Because I think there's, you know, this little dark rain cloud that kind of follows poor Ouija around. So (laughs) I can see that. (laughs) Okay. Well, speaking of that, I have seen a few camps when it comes to belief in the Ouija power. There's people who just think it's like a worthless plastic game, a hoax. There are people who fully believe in the power and collect them, just like love Ouija boards. And then there's the middle ground of like, I don't know, but I'm sure as hell not testing it out. So how do you see the Ouija board? So I would say that if you would ask me maybe like 20 years ago, when I was very deeply entrenched in the Southern Baptist Church, I probably Uh would have told you um, that it was, you know, a device that you can conjure spirits and it's deeply meshed with the devil and Satan. Um, I had a very different viewpoint of the game back then. From a very young age, uh, my mother, I I have a very vivid memory of my mother saying, don't ever play with a Ouija board and don't ever burn an Ouija board. So I kind of carried that around with me until I hit my teenage years. I was like just getting into middle school and I'm a little hard-headed and very independent. (laughs) No. So I was determined to see what all the buzz was about. When my girlfriend was having a little sleepover, she brought it out and I was so stoked to use it, but I was a little scared. So the universe obliged us in that, that night. (laughs) We had, um, it was only three of us there, but the planchette had just been set on the board. And I remember none of us had even touched it yet. And it jostled to one side. And then, you know, all of us are screaming and looking at each other. And then it flew to the other end of the coffee table. 
So of course we started playing it after that. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's like an open invitation. I would have run the other way, but okay. I was literally like in my head saying, this isn't my house. This isn't my house. This isn't my house. (laughs) But we asked regular questions. You know, I think if I remember right, we asked like who we were going to marry. And if I remember correctly, it predicted the first initial of my now husband. Wow. So yeah, it was very interesting. I was like maybe 13. Um, But we didn't really have anything other than that that was scary that happened that night. Um, But through the years, I still use the Ouija board occasionally. Like if I was over at a friend's house, when I got one of my first apartments with one of my best friends, we turned out all the lights one night, used the Ouija board uh, until we had scared ourselves silly. Um, We had some similar instances where the planchette did some weird things without us touching it. Um, So there was definitely some energy spikes in there. And now as an adult, I use it in my paranormal investigation for our podcast. So that's pretty much how I use it now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I do think it is like a teenage rite of passage, at least for girls. I don't think boys do it at their sleepovers, but you know, girls use the Ouija board at sleepovers. I don't know if they still do. It's been quite a minute since I was at a sleepover, but that is wild. It isn't like age 12, 13, kind of the strong age for the female energy. Like, don't they say that's when like poltergeists can come and stuff. It's like this crazy power that's coming into the female life at that age. Absolutely. Absolutely. They theorize that, especially for females that are sensitive psychically, um, there's something about that kinetic energy that gets kicked up when we go through puberty. And especially like for the paranormal, it seems to be drawn to like liminality, especially. So when you're in those in-between stages, you're not quite an adult, (laughs) but you're not quite a child either. Um, So it seems to really kind of be drawn to those things as well, from my experience. Wow. Yeah. The in-between, what did you call it? The liminality? Liminality. Yeah. That's cool. I think I have heard that before. I just thought it was because of the crazy attitude of 13 year olds, but it must be, must be another (laughs) connection. Yeah. (laughs) So how have you used the board then in your practice? You said you've used it with your podcast. Yeah. So my podcast co-host and I have used it in some of our investigations. Um, We did it, if I remember correctly, back last October was really the last time that we were able to use it. But we contacted one of her friends. Um, I won't say his name, um, but it was one of her friends that had passed away. um, And we had him channel basically throughout that session. It was a really beautiful session. And a lot of the things that he ended up telling us during that session ended up coming true pretty quickly thereafter. Wow. Now, is it your board? Did you own it? Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's just the usual like Fisher Price Ouija board. I think it glows in the dark. It has like the moon on the center of the board. You know, I got it from like Toys R Us before it went out of business. (laughs) Right. That's the thing. You can still go to Amazon. I didn't check, but I'm sure they're like 29 bucks or something on Amazon. It's such a weird thing because there's so much history and just belief that runs with it. And then you can just like order it to your house, same day deliver. It's just wild to me, you know, that that it's sold as this game, but there's so much history and a lot of relation to like the occult and some dark stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So you've told us that obviously your teenager experience, do you have friends, relatives, your psychic circles, other people who have told you uh, pretty notable experiences that they've had using the Ouija? So I've only had maybe probably one or two colleagues um, in this line of work that have had interesting experiences and only 
tied through that from their clients that they've worked with. But I had two colleagues specifically that worked with two separate people um, that had used the board for a period of time and it almost become fixated with using it for a really prolonged period of time. And they went into it kind of with zero intentions and they really just kind of wanted to have kind of like almost like a freaky experience. They wanted to be scared. Um, And as usual, you know, the universe will always oblige us in any intention that we set. And that's exactly the experience that they had. And from what little I could gather, um, it was basically like it had created almost like this momentum of energy and it was like it had to be obliged each time they used the board. And that created this bigger and bigger, um, almost like ball of energy. They kind of kept this circulating ball of ickiness, I could say, um, because they didn't close their board down afterwards. You know, they didn't ground or clear, protect anything, you know, in their surroundings. um, And they weren't very respectful of the board either. So I think that that's another important component to remember is any divination that you use from the tarot, oracle cards, a pendulum, you know, dowsing rods to the Ouija, everything is an ancient tool in some capacity that deserves the same amount of respect. And sold as a toy, you understand how people can get confused. But that intention, (laughs) that's such a good point is, you know, if you're intending to be scared and to summon dark spirits, well, you might get what you're looking for. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So then should the average person use a Ouija board? Would you consider it dangerous? Or, I mean, the average person might not know all of the things you just said about clearing and intention and protection. So what advice do you have for people that want to use one? I would say first have a good understanding of what you can accomplish with the board before you ever use it. And the analogy that my own spirit guides and my own teacher gave me was if you're going to go stay at someone's house and you decide to answer the phone when it rings, you're not just going to start talking to that person and not ask who it is, why they're calling, who they want to talk to, and then basically give them the you know, the key or the the passcode to the front door of your house just doesn't work like that. It wouldn't be real smart, right? So very similarly, these divination tools kind of act as this doorway or a portal to the other side. And again, whatever intention you wish to set in any of these divination methods is what the universe will ab- oblige you to. So if you want to contact your spirit guides and receive a message from them, cool. The universe is on it. (laughs) If you want to talk to your family members and loved ones that have passed away. Awesome. What do you want to talk to them about? Get really clear on those things. Um, I would say that in terms of like questions to ask the board, there are no stupid questions yet. There are don't ask like when you're going to die, for example. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That gives me the chills just thinking about somebody doing that. But yeah, I'm sure people do. A lot of people do. And like, I can hear my own guide saying this now. Okay. Some knowledge can be likened to poison. So like Mm -hmm. that, you know, we shouldn't ever really know when we're going to die because, you know, that'll destroy our mentality. We'll always be looking over our shoulder, but a lot of people go into using the Ouija wanting to know those things or wanting to know those things about other people. And there are just some things that we shouldn't ask. I would say also like personal information about people that are in the living that haven't actually consented to you basically asking spirits for information about them. So like, for example, like if I was at a girlfriend's house and she whipped out her Ouija board 
And I said, you know what? I'm getting ready to go on Stephanie's podcast next week. Let me see if I can ask the spirits a little bit about Stephanie. Let's <laughs> see if we can get the load down on her. I haven't yeah. asked you for consent to do that. And that's a little creepy too, you know? <laughs> right. You're like peeking so, into someone's energy. Yeah. Right. Right. You're looking into their you know, bedroom window without their consent. So as always, with this being a land of free will, you know, on this plane of existence, everything should be about consent. No death questions, no tuning into other people's energy to get dirt on them or anything like that. <laughs> right. Well, and I like what you said about the telephone. Like, who are you talking to? What's the the point of the conversation? Because the analogy that I've heard that always sticks with me is that using a Ouija board without any clear intention is like walking into the middle of Times Square and saying, who wants to come to my house? Anybody can come, yes. come on in. Because if you just open it and say, okay, who wants to talk to us? It's that scary. That's why I don't like ever do any EVP stuff. I don't, because it's like, once you open that door and you don't know who you're opening it to, what are you going to get? And then what happens if they don't leave? Like, I'm just not ready for that. Right. And I have had instances over the years where I occasionally I'll have like a little, you know, spirit that's a little bit of a stinker that will oh, come gosh. into my space and it takes me a little time to get them out. Um, and what I like to remind people of is the church kind of makes us or the church teaches us kind of throughout our life that there's this big boogeyman in spirit and we need to be scared of that. Mm. And there's this boogeyman that's kind of like waiting to jump out of the bushes and drag our soul to hell, you know, for to burn and for all eternity. And that's just not how it works. Now, are there some not so nice spirits in spirit? Absolutely. Are there some low level entities that we could probably liken to demons? Absolutely. But you got to work really hard to be vibrational matches for these things. So if you're actively like trying to conjure spirits, especially those that are of a lower vibration, then you might have a rocky ride with an Ouija board or yeah. any sort of divination method, because basically you've opened the front door of your home and you've stuck a flag out or a sign that's basically saying, Hey, anybody come on in. The house is yours to use. And it's usually like an invitation for folks that are not so nice to come on in. And so that makes me think then back to like our question of like teenagers doing this and they don't know what they're doing with it yet. That's risky then to me, because could there be lower level energies that will take advantage of somebody who doesn't know what they're doing with it and they're just opening the door and saying, somebody talk to us. Could that happen? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. For sure. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get these scary stories, one of which I'm going to share with you right now while we're oh. on it. I okay. did open up on our Instagram for people to tell me or ask questions. And our friend and listener sent me this story. When my little sister was 11, right at that age, oh. she went into the hospital because she became extremely ill, like intensive care. The doctors had no idea what was wrong with her. She was in there for almost a month. Then she confided in our older sister that she had been playing with the Ouija board and it was under her bed. So my sister and brother-in-law got it and destroyed it. And a day later, she stabilized and could go home. Also, every time my older sister visited my little sister in the hospital, my little sister would projectile vomit. My older sister is convinced that the spirit knew that she knew. Oh my God. Freaky stories to tell in the dark. I mean, is that possible? She could have conjured up Absolutely. some low level uh, 
low level business there. Absolutely. It's interesting. Um, when my podcast co-host and I did our episode on Luigi, I grabbed some books to do some research and I think it's called, uh, Ouija gone wild, but it's by, um, Rosemary Ellen Geely. Um, and she, Yeah, she did a case study with a guy named, I can't remember what his last name was, but his first name was Darren, I believe. Um, And he talked about like his lifelong uh, journey with Luigi and how many really freaky experiences he had. And at one point, he really became fixated on, uh, you know, contacting an entity called uh, Zozo. Um, Just sounds bad. I think actually sounds scary. Just the name. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, his daughter ended up getting deathly ill in a very similar way. The board ended up spelling out your daughter will have an iron tongue. And within several days, his daughter's tongue had swollen to the point where it was protruding out of her mouth and she was in ICU. So if I remember correctly, once they got rid of that board, she completely resolved. Everything was fine. Oh my goodness. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, how do you get rid of a board and do you advise that? I've heard burning. Is burning the only way? Or I've also heard you put it in the corner of your attic and leave it there. But that to me is even scary. How do people, Mm -hmm. if they have one, how can they best get rid of it? Oh, and I've also heard, this is freaky. I know of someone who got rid of it, swears they got rid of it, and it turned up back in their home. Yes, I have heard that too. That would scare the living daylights. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've heard that one other time from another colleague um, that one of her clients had a board that they went and basically like threw in a dumpster across town and ended up once they got back home, it was in that same bag, but on their front porch. Um, like oh, it even it gives me chills yeah. now to talk about. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yes. So can people get rid of a board and should they? So in my experience, if I was ever trying to get rid of an Ouija board, what my guides have always told me is to bury it. Don't burn it. Um, Because if there was ever something, perhaps like a certain type of entity that exited through that board, you might want to try and send them back the same way that they came. If you burn the board, then you've kind of burned that particular avenue. You can kind of think of it like the board is sort of like an exit on the highway. And if they get off at that same exit each time, then they're going to know kind of which way to go. But yeah, I've definitely heard like burying it, burying it is better than burning it um, in case you're going to need it at a different time, basically to do some cleansings or closing off that session. If you never did initially, I've never personally knock on wood had to (laughs) get rid of a board. Um, But if I did, I would bury it. And then really you have to set out to set really good uh, spiritual boundaries in your home. If you're already having paranormal activity um, and things that are scaring you, I know this sounds counterintuitive, but if you can try and stifle out and snuff out the energy that you give each time something scary happens in the house, each time you create a reaction to that phenomena, you basically feed that energy, your energy a meal, yeah. basically. Yeah. So each time you do that, that's a meal for them. So if you stifle out that energy, you stifle out their food. So raising the vibration of the house, turning on really awesome music that you really love, turning on all the lights, maybe opening all the windows, you know, cleanse your space with some sacred smoke. If you're not intolerant, you know, grab some incense, walk through the house, 
state your boundaries, you know, only love and light can exhibit and be, you know, existing in this space, basically anything of a lower vibration is not welcome. And I ask my spirit guides and my gatekeeper to take those things out that are not, you know, empowering and of the highest vibration. Right. And I think we should just like make it a rule, like a puppy. You don't give somebody a puppy without knowing that they want one. Do not give someone a Ouija board. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if they don't want because if somebody shows up with like a birthday or Christmas gift for one of my kids and it's a Ouija, it's going back to UPS tomorrow. I swear <laughs> to God, because I don't trust it. I've heard too many stories. I know. Now, can you use the board to summon specific spirits? Like you said, you have, or are you able to do that because you're super talented? <laughs> or can someone say like, I want to talk to my grandpa? Like, is that possible? Or could you then maybe have a spirit that's pretending to be grandpa? Oh, that's a good question. So you can absolutely direct your intentions to specific spirits. What I like to remind people of is discernment and testing the spirits is very important. Um, So something that most people don't know, or maybe have a tiny awareness of is energetic signatures that we feel in our physical body when certain energies or entities step into our space. Because any sort of spirit, you know, could say, oh, yeah, I'm your spirit guide or, oh, yeah, I'm your grandmother. But if you feel almost like you've got a sudden stomach ache and you feel like you're going to throw up, that's not grandma. That's not grandpa. (laughs) That's not your spirit guides. Um, And some of these lower level entities are going to make you feel icky in your physical body. You're suddenly going to feel like you get the all over body chills. You're going to feel suddenly like you're being watched. You might even hear something in your space that sounds like lower in terms of the tone of voice or guttural almost. You might also hear like growling at some point. You know, all of these things are key indicators. If the spirits are also not kind, grandma and grandpa, even if they were a little salty in life, <laughs> they're not going to be, <laughs> they're not going to be swearing at you on the Ouija board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they'll still retain their personality, right. but they're not going to be cursing at you through the board. These lower lower level entities, they can pretend only for a little bit, but these key indicators are things that lend us clues as to what's in our space. So if you're setting really good intentions of who you want to talk to, and then once you feel like that energy has stepped into your space, start testing the spirit, ask it questions that only that person would have known in life. Hey, grandma, you know, what did we do on my third birthday? And then see what they say, you know? I mean, not every spirit knows everything, especially if they had no relationship to you. So test the spirits, ask them questions. And overall, trust yourself. If your heart and your gut feels like, this doesn't feel like my family member, this doesn't feel right, then say, we're done with the session, goodbye, we're ending it here and closing the session down. Let's start again, if you want to start again. Right. No, that's very good advice. Which leads me to that next question. There is a goodbye space on the board, correct? Right. Okay. So is that supposed to note when the spirit is done communicating or is that for you to go to, to close the communication? Like how important is that step? So I see it kind of as both. It can be both for the spirit if the spirit is done. And, you know, very often spirits are polite and they won't just bounce and dip on you and <laughs> just stop talking. So very often Ghost you, say, right. of a better word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they get such a kick out of that. On the yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that it's partly for them, but partly for us. Um, and I think it really is important, you know, in any sort of spiritual work, whether or not you're a channeler, whether or not you're an energy worker, 
whatever the case may be, at the end of that session that you do, closing yourself down, saying, hey, I call my energy back from this situation. Close any energetic portals that are associated with this session. And let's have my gatekeepers and angels make a sweep of the space and just remove anything of a lower vibration that's not supportive and the most empowering. If we're going to set ground rules for Luigi, for people that are interested in using it, even after hearing this, yeah, <laughs> it's to set your intention. Right. Don't summon just anyone and anything. Be specific about what you want to use it for. Okay. Clear your space afterwards. Ask for help from your spirit guides. Everyone has a team, right, right. of spirit guides that are looking out for your higher self. And then close down that communication when you're done. Right. And if it all goes awry, you you bury that something. <laughs> you bury that sucker <laughs> so deep in your If I garden and come across a Ouija board, I would lose my mind. I would sell the house tomorrow. Okay. So let's talk about your psychic ability. If you are open to me asking yeah. questions, I'm just so amazed by psychics and I get like so scared the whole day before a podcast is talking to them because I'm like do they know I'm thinking about them right now do they you know and I I feel like my anxious energy especially someone who says they're an empathic psychic okay well I'm nervous so now you feel that I'm nervous and then that makes me more nervous like that's just how I get now I've talked to a few on the podcast so I'm getting a little bit better at it but when did you realize you had this gift that you could use to talk to the other side? So when I was younger, um, I can remember uh, as a small girl, I saw people in the room with us that very often other people didn't see. But because of my religious upbringing, um, it was pretty quickly told to me, oh, you're not seeing who you think you see. Those are demons. So it almost like conditioned me to kind of shut that down. Now, ironically, my own mother is a medium as well. (laughs) She calls it having gifts of the spirit, um, but she could always see and feel the energy of death. She always knew days ahead of time before someone was about to pass that they were about to die. She would either see it. um, She would have a vision of that person. Sometimes she would even dream it, but she would just know. And that happened from a very young age for her all the way up through her adulthood. Um, So once I hit my teenage years, uh, we had some poltergeist activity start to kick up in our home. Um, And during that time, I started having prophetic dreams. Now, in hindsight, I think that part of everything that was happening was probably because of some of the abuse that I was experiencing. And I was really angry kind of deep down, but had no way to express that. So I think part of the phenomena that was kind of kicking up in our house was my own anger. Um, And I was causing some of that. But I, as I started to age, I started to have more and more prophetic dreams um, that were starting to come true um, with like super eerie accuracy. And then by the time I hit my adulthood, it sounds so bizarre, but I quite literally, I went to bed one night and everything was normal. The very next day I woke up and I woke up to a house full of spirits. Um, it looked like it was like wall to wall people standing, like towering over me. <laughs> and oh, I, my gosh. I, I wigged out. Um, I was How many years ago of, was this? Mm, almost eight now, I would say. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so 
what do you yeah. do with that? So I, it was still kind of in the middle of the night when I woke up and saw this. So I was able to kind of keep it together for a couple of hours until like 5 a.m. hit. Um, and then I finally had had enough and woke my husband up hysterically crying. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think my husband just thought that I was asleep, you know, and dreaming. Um, and I very quickly told him, no, like I see a whole bunch of people went on to even describe like the man that was standing closest to him. And he gave me this look like, Oh, you're having a mental health crisis. Right. So then I was like, I need to go to the doctor because I thought either I'm having a brain tumor, you know, I've got an aneurysm that's happening or I'm losing it. I'm going crazy. So I went to doctor, to doctor, to doctor. Um, I got cleared from my PCP. I got cleared from a psychiatrist. I even had an MRI and they were like, well, you're not dying. (laughs) There's no tumor in there, but there is something happening. So once I started really kind of diving more into it, I started really kind of trying to not be so afraid of what I was seeing and tried to listen to the spirits that were in front of me. And once I did that, they would tell me things to tell other people. And I said, look, I'm not cool with just walking up to strangers and telling them random stuff. So you got to create a way for that to happen. And eventually that started to happen. So started giving people, you know, little practice readings here. I created a Facebook group where I did private readings in there. Um, And then it kind of morphed from there. I found Reiki um, shortly thereafter and got certified. And then it's just kind of continued to morph. I started introducing people to their spirit guides. Um, I felt a real big pull to start doing that. And then I do a rescue mediumship where I cross over earthbound spirits. Anytime I have one kind of present themselves to me. (laughs) Wow. I was just listening to a a podcast today. I think about earthbound spirits and how, yeah, how that can happen where you've got an energy that says, well, I don't want to leave until I know everything's okay. Or those, you know, before they die the spouse is saying, don't leave me. And so then they don't want to leave Right. if you don't mm-hmm. give them permission to leave. Wow. So those earthbound ones, this is a tangent, but do they know that they're earthbound and do they want to go to the light and you just kind of have to tell them that they can? So some of them, it's kind of half and half. Some of them absolutely know that they've passed away and they've just, you know, vehemently refused to cross, whether that be from religious fear. Oh, right. Live the most beautiful life. You know, maybe they were not so nice of a person. Um, Very often I see like people that uh, were involved with like criminal activity and things here on the earth plane very often are very scared to go over to the other side, bless their hearts. Um, And, you know, not to excuse their behavior or any, you know, thing like that, but have compassion for every soul um, that leaves this plane. Um, And I think other people who are very, um, controlling in this life they kind of have to white knuckle everything um very often either they refuse to acknowledge that they're in the active death process and they don't even know that they passed when that takes place or they know that they passed and they're just like no wow. <laughs> i'm not doing that right i don't want to that doesn't look cool i don't know what's on the other side of that so i'm just gonna stay where i'm comfortable i'll stay in my house and you know when i'm ready to go i'll go my understanding from my guides is even if somebody physical here doesn't cross spirits over, everybody goes home eventually. It's just when they decide to kind of wake up from that dream for themselves and finally go back home. Ooh, all right. That's a good place to break. Let me uh, take that one in for a minute. <laughs> brand or business align with the moms who are listening to this podcast? If jumping into the earphones of our community sounds like a potentially great and easy marketing option for you, reach out. 
Our listener base are moms like you and I, many local and as far-reaching as both coasts of the U.S., and we are open to partner with you for ad reads on our podcast. We'll let all our mom friends know about your business, post about you on social, and read a podcast ad right here in the podcast. We could be talking about you right now. Email mdmthepod at gmail.com with inquiries. So when you had that kind of traumatic realization of what your gift was, did that just stay that way from that point on? Like, do you wake up to your bedroom full of spirits that you can see all the time? Or do have you kind of learned to narrow it down so it happens when you want it to? So it used to be for many years that it was like, There was a ton of people in my space. Um, And I think truly that was partly because I didn't know about spirit boundaries, um, but Mm -hmm. I also didn't really know how to control what I was doing and what I was experiencing. So that experience really pushed me um, to find a teacher and find a mentor. I found one, luckily, that was in my area and she was wonderful um, and started telling me, hey, Christina, you got to lay down some boundaries. Spirit's just like people. You know, if you let anybody in your house, Spirits are going to be the same. You know, you haven't been setting any clear intentions of who you want to talk to. So everybody is in your space now. So let's clear everybody out. So that's what we did. We worked on that. um, And pretty soon I didn't see that anymore. Now, do spirits still pop into my space that I don't know? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not like a house party anymore. (laughs) And do you, is it like the naked eye? Like, can you tell? Okay, that's definitely, I assume you can tell what's a spirit and what's a human form or are they like translucent or do you know you're just seeing them in your mind's eye or how do they really visually appear to you? They appear three different ways to me. Um, And it truly depends on A, what that spirit has the energy to do um, and B, how they know how to best communicate. Like my own guides have said, every spirit has a preferred way to communicate. Some people like to just send you symbols in your mind's eye or like whisper in your ear almost um, to send you a message. Whereas others like to show themselves and, you know, show a big show in that, you know, particular environment. So I see them tangibly with my physical eyes. And when I do, um, sometimes they look almost like a little hologram. Um, Sometimes they just look almost like the outline of a person. Um, And maybe I might catch sight of some of their facial features or their clothes Whereas other people, sometimes the only distinguishing thing that makes me know that they're a spirit is the style of their clothes. Um, Like if I see somebody walking through looking like they're from the 1600s and have a visible wound, then I know that you're not. (laughs) Chances are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So those are the key things that I kind of look for. And then sometimes I see them in my mind's eye. Um, Sometimes they just send me certain clues um, where, you know, they'll just whisper something in my ear or drop like a download in my head. Um, Just really depends on the spirit and how much energy they have to send that oomph of a message. (laughs) Right. Well, that's amazing. And is that then when you kind of thought we should do a podcast about this since they're showing up anyway, or you and your friend decided to start the Ghosties podcast? Like, how did that come about? So that truly came about. I met Missy um, right after the pandemic began, and we were so scarily similar as one another that we just like hit it <laughs> off immediately. Um, and Ghosties really came about to kind of get us through the pandemic. Um, it was something to kind of get our minds off of what was going on. Um, You know, she had a small boy at the time and, 
became pregnant with her second son um, right after we had started investigating. Um, so we kind of had lots of free time, kind of hit the ground running and go investigate around our local area. Um, so it kind of got us through the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. What is your local area? Um, I'm in Newport News, Virginia. We're in the Tidewater area. Oh, wow. like, okay. Yeah, like right by Virginia Beach. So you guys go to these places. What are some of the places where you have felt maybe the coolest energy or something that really stands out oh. um, among the places that you've gone? Oh, gosh. Um, I think probably... We went to the Riddick Folly House um, that's local here in Suffolk. Um, it's actually like a museum. They turned an old uh, house from, I think it was like the late 1700s, early 1800s into a museum. Um, and it was okay. owned by the Riddick family here locally. Um, he was, if I remember correctly, like a lumber salesman. And his son was a lawyer that lived in the house. This dude built like a three-story mansion that's absolutely gorgeous. Um, but when the Civil War started um, and basically, you know, the invasion occurred here locally in uh, the Tidewater area, they had to vacate their homes and they had to let Union soldiers use the house basically like as a base. And they tore oh. that house apart. They tore down all of the, you know, decorations that they had. They had like gold leaflet, uh, wallpaper, um, just really these innate things. They tore it all down and put graffiti all up and down the walls, the ceilings. Well, they left one of the rooms upstairs with all of the graffiti that was there initially and put plexiglass wow. around that. There's also a rather large blood stain <laughs> in the middle of that floor <gasps> that's still from, yeah, from one of the soldiers. Oh, We had some goodness. of the most active um, kings on our EMF reader during that time. Missy got slapped on the butt going down the steps into the cellar. Oh, I've heard you tell this story. Yes. Cause you're like, yeah, a bunch of soldiers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she got slapped. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, the lady of the house, uh, she had a picture of herself in the gentleman's parlor um, where no women were allowed. When we passed her picture, that's where we got our EMF hit and only in front of her picture. There wasn't anything electrical behind there. We just got the feeling that she watched everything, no matter where she was physically, she kind of had her hand and eyes kind of all over that house. It was, it was an interesting house. Like it felt like a house from the late 1800s that had lots of soldiers should feel. It felt kind of heavy. It felt kind of mm -hmm. stale. Um, there are other houses in this area that are just as old, if not older. And some of them feel beautiful and amazing. That one did not. <laughs> yeah. Well, and given the history, it kind of makes yeah. sense, you know, for them to go in and destroy things. And there's a lot of unrest. Yeah. Do you just pass by some houses and you're like, yep, that's haunted. That I mean, can you just sort of pick that up by passing? Yeah, by? yeah, yeah. When wow. my husband and I, we were looking for our first house in the middle of like right after the pandemic started, we were actively looking for a house. Um and I do this thing like I use psychometry with pretty much everything if we're about to buy something new. Um I'll just hold that object in my hand or like when we were house hunting, I put my hands up on the walls and I just close mm -hmm. my eyes and I'd ask my guides, show me what the overall energy of this house is. If it's beautiful, show me that. If it's not, if it's dark, show me that too. So sometimes I'd put my hands on the walls and I would hear arguing and cursing back and forth at one another, or I'd hear screaming. In other houses, it was beautiful. It was like a hug. Um, in one house, I remember um, we were downstairs and I was kind of trying to tune in and I saw what looked like ballet dancers at a ballet bar dancing. Once we got to the second floor, oh. there was a whole ballet studio up there. 
So there are beautiful spaces that have beautiful energy and then some absolutely do not. And there was a couple that even my husband said, like from the driveway, we should not get that. (laughs) That looks creepy. We should not go in there. And yeah, usually it was the energy was like, oh, I don't know what happened there, but it's not so great. New marketing idea. You should absolutely like open a business as the paranormal realtor and tell people like... That's something I would want to know. Oh. Like, no, you don't want this one or you do want, or you should add that onto your services. I mean, how many people, they want to know yeah. and they're always afraid to ask or they're, if you do ask, I remember saying that to my husband, like, am I allowed to ask, does this house have energies? And he's like, please don't ask that. <laughs> Everyone's going to think you're crazy, you know? But I mean, people do want to oh, know. I'll have to add that to my resume. <laughs> Right at it. Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. So talking about your services, then what kind of services do you offer and where can people go to look um, into that, to doing something with you? So you can go to christinathemedium.com. I offer meet your spirit guide sessions where I introduce you to three of your spirit guides on your spirit team. Um, We get their names. We get your past life connections that you have with that person, what kind of guide they are for you now, and then how you can begin connecting with them on your own time moving forward. Um, I also do intuitive mentorship and coaching as well as distance Reiki and Reiki certification. Awesome. And a little bit about the Reiki, but if people don't know, that's like energy healing work, right? And you can kind of get in someone's energy and clear away certain blockages or if they're sick or having a problem, like all of that. Right. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very good. Is there anything I didn't go over that you wanted to add? I don't think so. I think this was amazing. (laughs) It really was. You are amazing. This was so fun. I would be remiss if I didn't ask if there's any like ghosties around me right now. Have you seen any, I mean, not that you're open to it right now, but have you seen anything? I have not. (laughs) I haven't seen anybody yet. I will say that your aura is really beautiful. You have like this beautiful, sparkly, bluish, like pink aura. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I 100% believe in auras. I listened to Mystic Michaela. Have you ever heard that podcast? Oh, that's like changed my world, just my perspective on everything. And I totally relate to everything that that's about. Oh, I love hearing that about my aura. (laughs) I would hate if I like had a really like dark or something, or I don't think you would have told me if I did, but that's so funny. (laughs) Well, this is awesome. So follow Christina at Christina, the medium on Instagram, on TikTok. Can people join your Facebook group? Is that an open thing to people? Or, I mean, they have to answer some questions. Um, But do you want to tell them where to find that? Sure. If you go, uh, you can actually find it in my link tree. Um, It's at the very bottom. You can request to join. It's a closed group. Um, It's a private group. So people don't feel any judgment, like from the outside or any family members, perhaps, that might be a little judgy in the area of, you know, spirit. Um, But you can absolutely, it asks you a couple of questions, and then we let you write in. (laughs) Yeah. And I love it. And I love the stuff you do on there as well as on your Instagram. I love your little intuition tests too. Like imagine this or do this. What color is this? They always work for me. And I just think all that stuff is very cool because isn't it true that everyone has a certain level of intuitive ability, but we teach ourselves not to trust it. Right. Exactly. So yeah, not everyone is like a full-blown psychic like you are, but they, they can kind of learn to get better at it by exercising that muscle. 
Right. Exactly. I think that's cool to be open to doing. And, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are down with the woo. So they, maybe they can can join (laughs) you there. I think you are incredible. Your energy is incredible and you're so talented. And this was really fun to talk Ouija. So thank you. you I had so much fun. <laughs> keep me in the loop if something crazy happens with that board because I we'll will. have to do an update. But we could even do a ghosties multi-dimensional Ooh, crossover. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be cool. Yeah. I gotta talk to Missy. That'd be awesome. Thank, well, thank you, so, you much. so much. This was really, really fun. Bye. Bye. Bye.